And so, God, we um, yeah, here in the power of Christ, we stand. And we say, God, we are here to worship you in the name of Jesus. We are here to grow, to take steps in following you wherever you want to take us. Your presence right now, your kingdom, your mission, that, that's our agenda. And so we ask together that you would come, Holy Spirit, and do every single thing you want to do. Speak every word you want to speak. Do all the things you want to do in our hearts. Do all the things that you want to do in the hearts of the people around us who are not in this room as a fruit of what happens here in these moments. We come and we ask that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody agreed and said, Amen. You can have a seat. And uh, before I jump into the message here, I just want to recognize that one of my dear friends, uh, a brother named Ryan Cochran, is sitting right over here. Everybody say, hi, Ryan. Ryan Ryan is uh, the lead pastor within Broadway Christian Church that is downtown, and he's playing hooky or something today. He's he's here with us, which is a pretty rare thing to get to do this as someone who serves in in this kind of way. And um, Northeast Church came out of Broadway Church in the in the mid 1990s, and so we just have a special bond with the church there. But then uh, Ryan and I have become just dear friends. And actually, as some of you may know from social media, uh, we have this kind of a, a weird thing going. We we give a high five to each other every single day. So I know this is going to sound really weird to you. We we like give a physical high five to each other every day. And if we're in a different city from one another, this part gets a little cheesy, but just bear with me. We FaceTime each other and we touch the, the screen at the same time so that we give a virtual high five. And you guys, we have been doing this for 949 straight days. So today, today is 950, and you get to witness it. And so this is by far the most nervous I've been when we've been given a high five. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure on this. Yeah, all right. Um, so that's, I'm not joking. That's like really happening. Uh, 950 today. So, but before, again, before we move on, let's, let's take this opportunity uh, to pray for, for Ryan and his family and Broadway. So if you're sitting next to them, you just lay hands on them. And maybe if you're, if you're willing to do this, just stretch a hand out toward them. Um, and so God, um, I, I, th- I thank you for my brother, uh, for Katie, uh, for Gloria and Joy and Evie and Abraham. Uh, God, we as a church pray your hand of blessing upon them in this season. God, speak to them. Give them ears to hear you. Empower them by your Holy Spirit. And we also, God, we pray your hand of blessing upon Broadway Church. God, God pour out your Holy Spirit upon them. Fill them with your giftings. Thank you for for all that they're doing here in this city to love this city in your name. God, we pray that in this coming season that you would make that church incredibly fruitful beyond what they could ask or imagine for your glory. And in the name of Jesus, everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen. So, I want to begin... um, 
the message itself in a similar way to, to what we did last week, which means I want to begin by asking you all a question, and I want to give you an opportunity to interact with each other, just maybe groups of two or three people, um, and here's the question today. What are your thoughts and feelings when you hear the word evangelism? What are your, here's maybe the key word with this, what are your honest what are your honest thoughts and your honest feelings when you see this word, when you hear the word evangelism? We're just going to take a, a moment, like 60 seconds here with a person or two right around you, honest thoughts and honest feelings on your market set. Go. Let's, um, let's hear some of either what you shared or what you heard somebody else Share. What, what, what are some honest thoughts and or honest feelings? Overbearing. Overbearing. <laughs> okay. I won't, I won't repeat that one for, for the camera. <laughs> Impersonal. Impersonal. Disingenuous. You guys are being really honest. Keep going. Tracks. Yes. There's a right way and a wrong way. Good. Keep going. Talking but not listening. Say it again. The people on TV. Yes. Fear. Oh, man. Anybody else feel that one? Is that an honest feeling when you hear, hear that word? My hand's up. Say it again. Failing at it. Yeah. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, good. Yeah. Scary, but thankful for it, because my mom might not be sitting here. Yeah, yeah, because if someone hadn't done this with her. Pastor Rick Hawks, right? Right in our, right in our kitchen, doing some evangelism explosion. And I was sitting in the, this isn't in the notes, but I was sitting in the, in the other room color, pretending to color while I was listening. What else? Honest thoughts and feelings. A couple more. It's intentional, but it also seems structural. Structural? Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. So it's intentional. There's like a, a thoughtful structure to it. Maybe one more. Honest thoughts, honest feelings. Anything else? Yeah. Hmm. Good. Yeah. So it's God led. That's good. Now, talking about the unseen realm there uh, with angels. That's that's really good. So this morning, we're going to continue once again here. I think this is for the last time in this season, but we are going to continue focusing in on this concept of this larger concept of renewal. For the last months now, that's what we've been doing, we've been pressing into this concept, and we have said again and again that the kind of renewal that God brings is both within us and from us out into the world around us. In that sense, it is both inward and outward. And so before, as I said last week, before we ended this season, I really felt compelled to give a couple messages aimed directly at that more outward, out into the world kind of renewal. And last week, the message was... God loves justice. From Isaiah chapter 61 and actually a lot of scripture, we focused on justice, joining with Jesus to pour ourselves out to fix that which is broken in the world around us. That 
is justice. And we said that we want to be a people who do not just talk about justice, but who actually do it, who take action in our lives, real action in our lives and together as a church by the power of the spirit to fix that which is broken, especially in the most broken places around us. That was last week. And now today is about evangelism, which obviously for, for many is a, is a dirty word with a lot of baggage, right? According to a 2018 Barna study, over the last 25 years, there has been a 20% increase in those within the church who believe that it is the church's role rather than the individual's role to share about Jesus with others. According to that same report in 1993, oh yeah, 1993, in 93, nine out of 10 Christians, nine out of 10 Christians agreed that, quote, every Christian has a responsibility to share their faith, nine out of 10. Whereas 25 years later in 2018, just two thirds of those within the church said the same, a 25% drop. According to a 2019 LifeWay research project, 55% of churchgoers have not shared how to become a follower of Jesus with anyone over the last six months. And it's not just that our evangelism actions are changing, but actually within the church, it's apparent that our evangelism beliefs are changing. According to a 2019 Barna study, 47% of millennials, that's the millennials is the the largest demographic within this church, 47% of millennials within the church believe that it is wrong to evangelize people who hold different beliefs than us. But you know, I think what's true is this morning we can just kind of set those statistics aside and we can just take a look at our own lives, right? And maybe we could ask some questions. Like, how high of a priority is evangelism for me? I'm asking myself this. How high of a priority is it? Like, like how much do I even think about evangelism in my day-to-day life? What are my honest feelings? Some of you share this. I have my honest feelings and my honest thoughts when I think about this word. Why does it feel like there is some weird pressure around all of this? Or maybe why do I feel like there's some, there's some fear around it? Or maybe even some shame. And for that matter, what are we even talking about? Right? Like what is evangelism? My brothers and my sisters... I want to be very transparent this morning. And I want to tell you that this, for me, this is a, for me, this is a much needed area of growth. I am not coming today as some kind of evangelism expert, but rather I'm coming simply as someone who zealously longs to follow Jesus more and more, and who as part of that recognizes that I want And I need to grow. I need to grow in this important aspect of following him. So that's how I come today. And I see that because of the cultural context in which we live, evangelism, this word, has increasingly become a dirty word with a lot of baggage. And so I think it's important for us as followers of Jesus to try to pull back some of the layers and to dust off some dirt in order to see again what this word really means and what it really means for us. 
Because at its core, evangelism is this intriguing and beautifully explosive word that is meant to capture our imaginations and send us out on an adventure every single day of our lives. You see, evangelism, this word, comes from the the Greek word. We've said this before. It comes from the Greek word euangelion. Euangelion. I'm going to say that, and then you, uh, I invite you to repeat it after me. Euangelion. Very good. Good job. This, and euangelion, this word, you can see it there. Uh, it didn't Actually, the Greek font didn't come, but it looks like that when you move it to English. Euangelion, it comes from, uh, it just comes from, it's where we get the words evangelical. <laughs> Talk about a word with some baggage, right? Evangelical and evangelist and evangelism. And the word just simply means good news. And in the New Testament, it's often translated into the word gospel, right? But gospel is a word that we don't use outside of a church context. It's an old, it's an old school word. It's an old English word that was used hundreds of years ago that also comes from the words good and news. In other words, what we're talking about today is good news. And actually, evangelism is not a word that you will even find in most English translations of the scriptures. But one place we get pretty close to it is in Romans chapter 10. That's going to be our main text for today, Romans chapter 10. And again, just as a way to try to be transparent this morning, that, the main text of this message, changed yesterday, (laughs) which is very late in the process for me. That almost never happens. Uh, But for whatever reason, there has just been what feels to me like a lot of resistance with this message this week. And maybe some of that resistance is from within me, maybe some of it's circumstantial, but I also just have this sense that there's resistance in what we might call the unseen realm. The the unseen realm where the scriptures reveal to us that there's this whole thing going on that we can't see. And as part of that, there are these dark forces of evil that are trying to thwart the forward movement of the kingdom of God. I mean, the fact that this that evangelism, this concept, is a, is a dirty word with a lot of baggage, I don't think that's an accident, right? I, I think that's a, that is an all-out attack by those powerful forces in the unseen realm. And so I suspect that even for us today, that's probably the case as well. And so our main text changed yesterday, late in the game, to Romans chapter 10. And just for a very little context, Romans, the, this letter is written by the Apostle Paul to the church in the city of Rome. And in this section of the letter, Paul is writing about people from all nations, Jew and Gentile, believing in King Jesus. And he writes this, Romans 10, we're going to start in verse 9. Paul writes, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is King. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. That's a good word right there. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. And may I add red, yellow, black, and white, rich, poor, man, woman, old, young. There's no difference. The same king is king of all and richly blesses all who call on him for. And then he quotes, Paul quotes from the Hebrew prophet Joel, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
And then as a, as a rhetorical device, Paul strings together here in the next verses four questions, and then, he, and then he gives us a powerful quotation. He says four questions. How then can they call, remember everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching or, or announcing to them? And how can anyone preach or announce unless they are sent? In other words, the point Paul is making here is just logically stepping us through how this works. He says, in order to call on the name of the Lord and be saved, a person needs to believe. And in order to believe, a person needs to hear. They need to first hear the good news. And in order for that to happen, someone else needs to announce it to them. And in order for them to, to announce the good news, that person needs to be sent. And then Paul writes, as it is written, and he quotes from the Hebrew prophet Isaiah, it's been so fascinating to me. Without trying, God just keeps bringing this back to Isaiah throughout this whole series of renewal. And here specifically, Isaiah 52, Paul writes, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And that last part there, those last three words, bring good news. That's about as close as we get to this word evangelism in the text. You see, the word there is the verb in the Greek, euangelizo. Euangelizo, which should sound familiar because it's the verb form of that noun that you said earlier, euangelion. And so he's, he's basically verbing this noun, if you will. It's taking the word gospel and making it gospeling. It's taking good news and it's making it, this doesn't work, but I wish it did, good newsing. It is bringing, this is what we're talking about, is bringing or announcing or proclaiming the good news. And church, check this out. How beautiful are the feet of those who do that. Brothers and sisters, this whole thing is about good news. You see, evangelism is not about good advice or good truth that we proclaim at people from a billboard. Yesterday, I tried to look at different billboards online, Christian billboards. You know, you're driving 75 miles an hour down the highway, uh, or maybe some of you like 72, or maybe some of you like 87 miles an hour down the highway, and you see these billboards. There's a lot of them out there. Just uh, for those who might be listening without being able to see, this one says, it's your choice, heaven or hell, Read John 3, 36 in about 15 different fonts and some clip art. And I just want to say, again, trying to, be, trying to be transparent this morning that I really, man, I want to be really gracious toward the people who do these, who put up billboards and even this specific billboard. So I just really want to believe that this is coming from a good place. But I also just want to be honest and say that as a follower of Jesus, this, this makes me sad and, and maybe even a little bit mad at times. It makes me sad mad, <laughs> you know? Because I think in the year 2021 AD, in our cultural context in the United States of America, this is not causing people to turn to Jesus. It might be having the opposite effect. It doesn't even mention the name of Jesus, in fact. And sometimes, sometimes evangelism uh, can, can be like that, billboards on highways, bullhorns on street corners, and it can kind of feel like that, like I'm up here, and you who are reading this, you're down here. I, I'm right, 
and, and you are wrong. And all you need to do is make a choice. All you need to do is make a decision right now. Also, I want to say that evangelism is not a good plan or a good product that we sell to people. If you go to the next slide, you see a picture of um, selling a product. The, the one time that I had a job as a salesman was back when I was in college and then right after college when I worked at Glenbrook Mall at, you ready for this, at The Buckle, okay? And at least at that time, uh, when you worked at The Buckle, <laughs> when you worked at, <laughs> just being transparent this morning, uh, when you, at that time when you worked, I don't know if it's this way now, but when you worked at the buckle, you worked on commission. Most of what you, the money you made was from commission. And so that meant when anybody entered the store, all the employees were like sharks just coming right at the people. And so when I was the first one there, I would say something like, hey, welcome to the buckle. Uh, thanks for coming today. My name's Tony. Please spend a bunch of money today. Please, please buy some lucky jeans. You know what I'm talking about? Some lucky jeans. Please buy some Doc Martens. Please buy a couple shirts to go with that. And please buy a really thick black or brown belt to go with it as well, right? But the reality is I felt pressure. I felt pressure. They felt pressure. We were in the buck. I mean, the whole thing was, was weird, right? And sometimes... Sometimes evangelism can feel like that, can I mean, nobody, nobody wants it to. Nobody would argue it's that way. Nobody would say it's that way. Like I'm talking deep down. Evangelism can feel like we need to persuade someone to believe or pressure them or convince them or argue with them. We need to sell them this great deal, eternal life at no cost. And today... As we try to pull back some layers and dust off some dirt, I just want to say again that evangelism is not primarily about good advice or good truth or a good plan or a good product. No, it is about good news. Evangelism is good newsism. It is, again, to verb it, it is good newsing people. It is simply announcing or proclaiming good news. And in ancient times, this word, this was the word that was used when a, when a battle would be won or, or when, a, when a new king was born or when an important dignitary was coming to visit the city, when something really good happened in the world for whatever city or whatever country you are a part of, there were no newspapers, there, were, there wasn't internet, there weren't cell phones. No, the way that you would find out that really good thing happened is that a messenger, a herald would be sent sometimes running to bring the good news to the people. Like in that poem by the Hebrew prophet Isaiah that Paul quotes, how beautiful, Isaiah says it this way, how beautiful on the mountains, like off there in the distance, you can see him coming, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, shalom, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Jerusalem, to Zion, your God reigns. And my brothers and my sisters, in Jesus, you, you are one of those messengers sent to bring good news. In Jesus, we as the church are messengers who are sent, yes, don't miss this, yes, to show the good news. You know what I mean? 
Like we, we like together as a church in how we live and in how we love. We talk about that around here Northeast all of the time. It's at the center of what we've been trying to do, living the beautiful way of Jesus together. And by the way, that requires, where's Amanda? That requires some proximity, doesn't it? Like to really do that, it requires some proximity to people who do not yet know him. We want to live the beautiful way of Jesus so that Fort Wayne and the nations sing for joy. That requires that we're in some way close in proximity to Fort Wayne and the nations. That's why I love what Amanda shared this morning and what she's helping to lead us as a church in. So church, yes, we are sent to show the good news and this morning we are sent to speak it as well with words. Paul says, how can people believe without hearing? And how can they hear without someone speaking? Think about it this way. Deep down, every single person in the world is longing to hear some good news. Do you believe that today? I mean, I mean they, they long, every person, all of us, every person that we come in contact with, all of our neighbors, all of our coworkers and classmates, every single person has, has this deep sense that something, something is wrong, that the, that the world is not the way it ought to be, that something is deeply broken in the world, and as a result, our lives can just feel so fleeting and even meaningless. Deep down the whole world, all humanity is longing for and searching for and hoping for and imagining for some good news about a better life in a better world. Every person. And part of the gift that poets and artists are to us is they help us at times to dream for that and to hope for that, right? That's Poets and artists in each generation give us language for dreaming about a better world. For example, going back a, a generation to John Lennon's 1971 song, Imagine, that was his attempt to call the world to imagine a better world. Some of you know the lyrics. Imagine all the people living life in peace. Imagine this. Imagine all the people living life in peace. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. Or a little over a decade later, Michael Jackson's We Are the World, right? Some of you are feeling this, I know, deep down. We are the children. Get your, get your lighters out if you want. Come on. I, 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 man, I wish I could sing. I had this picture yesterday of us like really like singing this loudly together. I'm not joking. Again, I'm transparent is the word today. I even practiced it, practiced singing it one time yesterday. And let me tell you, it, it was very awkward. It was more awkward than me at the buckle. I'll tell you that. It was really, so we're not going to do that, but you can sing it if you we are the world. We are the children. We are the ones who make a brighter day. So let's start giving. Oh, there's a choice we're making. You're feeling this, Bob. I can see it. We're saving our own lives. It's true. We'll make a better day. Just you and me. The same is true for Bob Dylan's Blowing in the Wind and Bob Marley's One Love and Matisse Yahoo's One Day and Common and John Lynch's Glory and on and on and on. We could go, the poets of the generations imagine a better world, a world with no more wars. Imagine it in these moments, a world with no more wars, a world with no more conflict with no more slavery, with no more racism, with no more injustice, with no more perversion, with no more pornography, with no more trafficking taking place in Thailand or killing in the DR Congo or shooting in the streets of Fort Wayne, Indiana, a world and everyone in it just bathed in love 
and joy and peace. Oh man, peace and true happiness and true freedom and true justice for all. And the question is, what will it take for the world to become like that? Like really, what, what, would it, what would it take? It's what everybody wants to know. Everybody longs to know the answer to this question. What will it take to, for, for my life to be part of a better world like that? The artists of the generations, they certainly have opinions of what it would take, right? Like maybe it's, maybe it's time and progress. Maybe it's tolerance. If we would just tolerate each other. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the end of religion. That's one of the lines from John Lennon's song, right? Imagine no religion. Maybe it's less government. Maybe it's more government. Maybe it's new government. Maybe it's no government. Or maybe it's just, this is kind of pie in the sky. You can imagine that kind of world if you'd like to, but it ain't gonna happen. But the question remains, church, what would it take for the world to become like what we long for and can only imagine? And my brothers and sisters, I just want to stand here and remind us today that the scriptures announce that the answer to that question is for the world to have a king. It's like, I mean, talk about intriguing and beautifully explosive. This is a, this is a, a pretty bold claim to make. This, this is why Paul and the other apostles were found, consistently found themselves in chains in prison. This is, this is a wildly bold and explosive claim. The scriptures proclaim that the way the world becomes the kind of place we can only imagine is for the whole world to have one righteous king over it. And my brothers and sisters, here is the good news. Jesus is that king. Jesus is that king. And the good news, the euangelion, is centered on him. We talk about, we've talked about this so many times. The, the, it can be summarized with the three words, Jesus is king, and that summarizes the whole story of Jesus as the, as the fulfillment of the story of the world and the story of Israel. And in so many ways then, gospeling, what we're talking about today, evangelizing is simply speaking about him. It's speaking about Jesus, that he came, that he died on the cross, and in so doing, he, de- he defeated evil. All that brokenness, the, all the, the powers in the unseen realm, he, in, in his death, he, he defeated them. And in so doing, in his death on the cross, he offered forgiveness of sin for all of us who have participated in evil. And in so doing, he offers peace and salvation and new life, that he was buried And then on the third day, he was raised back to life. I'm gospeling you guys right now. He was raised back to life from the dead. Didn't didn't this room feel electric when we sang that that line? Whatever the, I don't remember the specifics. But he rose back to life in victory. And one day, the scriptures say, he will return and be king over all. And gospeling, good newsing, is talking about him. One of our favorite stories as a family is C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia. So many of you are familiar with it. Uh, in fact, just yesterday, our kids watched one of the, one of the movies. You see uh, some shots of the movie up there. Um, and as you may know, the most important character throughout the, that story is a lion named Aslan, who's a representative of King Jesus. 
And way back when Shalom, our oldest child, was I think maybe four or five years old, I read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe to her. And then after we were done with that, we, read, we watched together that old, there's an old school cartoon. It's before these movies came out, an old school cartoon that just kind of goes through the story of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And when Aslan, the lion, you, you see Aslan, you get glimpses of him, and then there's this point where Aslan dies on the stone table. And Shalom was just... You could tell she was moved by that. But then a few minutes later, when that stone table cracked and Aslan came back to life, little Shalom started to cry. Tears of joy. I'll never forget it. Why? Because C.S. Lewis, in the story, was gospeling us. He was good newsing us. Scott McKnight writes, quote, C.S. Lewis makes you love Aslan so much that you want to enter the story. I like that. C.S. Lewis makes you love Aslan so much that you, want to, that you want to enter into the story and your response is, I want to climb on the lion's back and put my face in his mane. And church, that's simply, I believe, what we are sent to do to talk about Jesus in such a way that aligns with the scriptures, that gets closer and closer to the center of of what he has done on our behalf, but to simply talk about Jesus in a way that makes people love him and want to enter into the story. In Ephesians 6, when the Apostle Paul um, was talking about that epic all-out war that's taking place in the unseen realm. He says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the the powers uh, and the authorities that are at work in the unseen realm. Part of what he does there is he calls the church to put on what he calls the full armor of God. And as part of that, he says that we are to have our feet. (laughs) There's that again. That we are to have our feet fitted with the readiness, with the preparation that comes from the euangelion, the gospel, the good news of peace. One translation says we are to have our feet, church together, feet fitted with readiness to announce the good news of peace. Another translation says we are to have our feet fitted with eagerness to spread the good news of Jesus. Church, hear this. Part of our role in this epic unfolding battle is to have our feet ready because we have been sent everywhere we go. Every where we go today, everywhere we go tomorrow, everywhere we go Tuesday and on and on, we have been sent and we are to have our feet ready with that good news of peace. And what's so fascinating to me, this just came early this morning. What's so fascinating to me is the way Paul ends that whole section. He says this, church in Ephesus, he says, pray also for me. That whenever I speak words, whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. And I just want to say that what's so encouraging to me about this this morning is that Paul needed help. The Apostle Paul in chains for doing this again and again. He recognized that he needed God's help in order to know the right words to say and to have the courage to say them. And I want to remind us, brothers and sisters, that God does that. God 
knows all the people that we interact with. He knows their needs, their longings, their dreams, and he gives us, he's willing to give us those right words. And the only pressure that we need to feel is the pressure to love them and the pressure to speak honestly about Jesus. And I think that's it. Paul says, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly, boldly make known the mystery of the euangelion for which I am an ambassador, a sent one in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. For as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And so I think here's how we're going we're gonna to do this. Because I know, I know there's, a, we're, there's a lot of baggage around this for me. And, and I think for you. And, the, and I'm recognized today that we're just barely scratching the surface on this topic. There's so many things that I have crossed out here. There's so many other sermons that people could give. And, and quite frankly, some of you who are evangelists should, should be up here one of these days soon to help teach us and equip us more in this. But for this morning, what I'd like to do, I'm going to, in a moment here, set up communion, come to the Lord's table. Um, but I want to invite, um, as part of that whole process, when we're moving around the room, I want to invite us to receive some prayer for this, specifically that same kind of prayer that the Apostle Paul asked for, just for word, the right words, and for courage to say them. The right words and the courage to say them. And so if you um, if you're an elder, uh, leadership council member, part of the prayer team, I just want to invite you. A lot of times I'll just say that and then wait, but I just want to invite you to even just come up now on the sides of the room here just to, to receive people. And what you're going to do is just pray that prayer. And this is for anybody today. You can come up now. The elder, leadership council member, prayer team member, come on up. And your instructions are just simply to pray that prayer for people that... God would give them the words and the courage to speak them. And so for us today, if you just like, like Paul, you're saying, I, you know what, I want to grow in this. I, I need some help. I want to take whatever step that God puts in front of me. God's stirring in your heart, whatever. It doesn't have to be like this big, crazy thing. Just come and get that prayer. Or if you have another reason that you would like to have prayer today, I know these brothers and sisters would love to pray for you in that as well. So every week we come, this is going to happen as we do communion as well. Every week we come to the table, the Lord's Supper, and we recognize that we're doing this because we have called on the name of the Lord Jesus, church, and as a result, we have been saved and forgiven and set free and have glimpses of peace now and the hope of a, of a world totally at peace one day in the future. And we have done that because we have believed the good news about him. And that happened because we heard it, like my mom was saying, because we heard it and that happened because someone said it to us. And that happened because they were sent. And so today, when we come and take the bread, his body, and the cup, his blood shed on our behalf, we come as those kinds of sent ones, remembering that we have received this incredible gift and now we get to pro proclaim it to the world around us. And so whenever you're ready today, you're free to come and get prayer as it relates to evangelism or anything else. 
and you're free to come to the table. We'll just move around as much as need be today. When you're ready, you're free to come.